Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with Opel. German engineering that's future ready and simply electric. The National Public Health Emergency Team has estimated that 11% of COVID-19 cases in Ireland are now due to the Omicron variant. In a statement, Chief Medical Officer Dr Tony Holohan said the figure had increased from less than 1% only one week ago. The Department of Health last night announced that eight more cases of the new variant have been detected here, taking the total to 18. Now, the Minister for Health was asked on his way into Cabinet this morning about measures that would speed up the booster rollout. Let's hear some of what he said. We're looking at an awful lot of measures and I'm bringing an update memo to government this morning on that. So we're looking at uh, how we can support GPs and pharmacists in doing as many boosters as possible, uh, how we can open up the vaccine clinics as much as possible. Can we have more uh, uh, pop-up vaccine centres, for example, Uh, looking at options around scheduling. Uh, looking at times during the week where there seems to be less demand and times where there's more demand. So really we've been going through a a very detailed process with the Department of Health, with the HSC, to make sure we can get as many people boosted as possible. In the meantime, uh, the message to everybody uh, is really stronger now than ever. The emerging evidence we have uh, on Omicron is that it is absolutely essential. Uh, that people get their boosters, that the additional protection it gives is very, very significant. That's the Minister Stephen Donnelly speaking just a short time ago. Now I'm joined by a couple of people to talk about all of this. First up is Dr Yvonne Williams, GP at the Shannon Medical Centre. Good morning to you, Yvonne. Good morning, Claire. So the growth, first of all, of the Omicron variant to 11% of cases, how worrying is that from your point of view? I think it's worrying because we've heard from Northern Ireland that they expect it to be the dominant variant within two weeks and we're seeing in London even Boris Johnson is worried now bringing in tighter restrictions so if you have two doses up until now I think people felt reasonably secure um, but what we know now is that you need that third dose to, to protect you from getting this new variant which is so so transmissible at least three times more catching for people than what we've had to deal with before with Delta and we saw where we ended up last January after Delta made its way here. How much pressure will this put GPs under? I think it will put us under pressure, but I think it's the the lesser of two evils. If we don't get as many people boosted between now and the Christmas holidays, we're we're in for a really tough spring. So I think, you know, we need to prioritise the the vaccines now and all other sort of routine work needs to take a step back. Um, I would say to the government, they did announce this last night, but I logged in uh, just in the last few minutes um, onto the HC website for booster doses. And it's still saying, despite being updated this morning at 10 past nine, that you have to wait five months after your second vaccine dose. So we need the message to be clear, you know, the, the message on the HC website needs to match what the Minister is saying and GPs need to be given an option to order extra doses now. We turned people away over the last four weeks because the five-month interval wasn't there, even though the EMA had advised, you know, that three months would be suitable. Those patients are already ringing this morning and we don't have a supply for them. So if the HC have a supply, they need to get it out to GPs and pharmacies quickly. Okay. And you've asked for that supply, have you, Yvonne? I've asked for that supply this morning. Unfortunately, our COVID vaccine manager um, doesn't work until two o'clock, according to her voicemail, um, and they haven't had a reply to the email yet. But it is something if they want GPs to come on board, we're, we're willing to do that. Any of us who can will, but they need to facilitate extra deliveries for us. OK, and are you concerned that the entire vaccination system won't be able to cope when this change is, is put in, into practice, the three-month gap? But also, it seems as though later on in the week, the over 40s who are uh, within the correct time frame, that they'll be eligible too. Do you think the system is there to, to be able to deal with that? 
I think they're going to have to redeploy people again, but I suppose the more people we, we vaccinate and we give boosters to, then maybe the less people will need to be in the testing centres and we have to prioritise this in the next couple of weeks. It's a race against the clock. If the numbers are going from 1% to 11% in a week, it's really down to the next two to three weeks to get as much done as possible. So I think people would be willing, you know, people need to have an option of going to a walking clinic after work in the evening at weekends. You know, not everybody has the luxury of, of leaving a job in the middle of the day to, to queue for two hours to wait to get in to get a vaccine. So that needs to be facilitated workers want to stay working and be able to get their vaccines in, in the evening and weekends if they can. And what are you seeing in the practice when it comes to COVID and how worried are people now about Christmas? People are anxious again. It's back to, I suppose, where we were. Grandparents are worried about young grandchildren visiting. You know, there was a great announcement about the 5 to 11-year-olds being eligible. We haven't had any information yet as to when that's going to start. So that group is left vulnerable. And we'd like to hear clarity on that. And that would give people reassurance as well, you know. Um, so people are, are, are nervous. People are jittery. You know, um, Christmas parties and lunches were cancelled. And I think people are reviewing their plans for the holidays now. And are you seeing much covid we haven't seen as much COVID in the last two weeks as we did six weeks beforehand, but that's mainly because people are being told to use the self-referral system and we did get a, a pop-up centre in Shannon for testing. So most people are opting to book online rather than taking up a GP or nurse appointment, which we welcome. And then the people with positive results, and um, we are in contact with them. Dr Yvonne Williams, thank you for joining us this morning. Christine Losher, Professor of Immunology in DCU, is also on the line. And Professor, this announcement from the Minister for Health that the gap between the doses now will be brought down to three months. Do you welcome that. Yeah, good morning, Claire. Yeah, no, absolutely welcome it. Um, and it's come off the back of the head of vaccine strategy of the EMA pleading with countries this week to consider shortening that interval to three months, but also really good data coming from that um, Cove Boost study out of the UK that really shows very definitively that the immune response that you get after 10 to 12 weeks after your second dose is really enough to boost us um, to have that high level of immune response um, and not too much different to what we would get by waiting a few months. So everything's pointing to that three months and I think we've responded very quickly, which is very positive. But you heard what Dr Williams was saying there about, you know, not being able to get the vaccines that she needs today, uh, feeling that the information on the website, according to what she has seen this morning, doesn't reflect the change that the minister announced last night. Can the system cope? Yeah, and I think, you know, we've seen that these decisions have been made over the last couple of months about various elements. And then we've seen that operation and the operation piece that that has to come afterwards maybe is a bit slower. Um, I think that, you know, and I've seen anecdotally online that, you know, the pharmacy unions have been crying out to get more deliveries. And there's a lot of willing people out there. So I really think that, you know, we have a very short period of time to maximise deliveries out to GPs and pharmacies, to maximise the hours of opening. I completely agree with Yvonne. Let's make everything as easy and accessible for people. Um, We need to... The the maximum doses that we were given out were up to 380 and 400,000 a week during the summer. We have to aim for that if we're going to get in front of this. And, you know, otherwise we're going to sit here in a couple of weeks' time and we're going to be saying, if only we got more boosters out, we might have avoided more restrictions or more lockdowns. So we have have the time to do it. You think that's down the line for us if that doesn't happen, 400,000 boosters a week? 
what I would be concerned about, there's an awful lot of, you know, uh, there's an awful lot of evidence that while this might look at the moment to be milder, we're seeing an awful lot of cases being reported in younger people where that might be milder anyway. So we don't really have any hard evidence as to what this is going to look like in older individuals. What, what we do know is, is that it's more transmissible and where we have more transmissible translating into very high case numbers even if it is mild, those high case numbers are still going to impact on the healthcare system. And I think that's what the worry is down the line, is that we'll have been overrun by this surge. It will translate into hospitalizations and we'll end up in a tricky situation. So everything needs, we have all this information. We need to act on it. It would be great in a couple of months' time if we said we maybe overreacted. That would be a brilliant position to be in. I don't think we are. And I think that we have a chance to get on the front foot and we need to take that chance. Okay, Christine, I have some questions coming in for you from listeners. Why is it that two doses of AstraZeneca appear to be so much less effective compared to a third dose of mRNA on top of that? How does that work? Yeah, so essentially um, when, when, we, when we start to see vaccines waning after that three and four month period, um, AstraZeneca, because it didn't give as high protection against Delta as initially it would have against the, the, the initial strain, because it started off at a lower level of protection, when the immunity waned, it meant that people were left with less protection. We know now from studies that if you boost with an mRNA and you mix those vaccines up, you get a really enhanced immune response. So for anyone who has AstraZeneca um, previously, they'll get an mRNA vaccine and that will really give them a strong level of immune response and in some cases more than somebody who had all mRNA vaccines in the first place. Okay, and then on the Moderna question, the HSE is saying that to maximise the vaccines, all of its centres will use primarily Moderna for booster doses for people aged 30 and older in the coming weeks. Are you comfortable with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, either mRNA vaccine, uh, Moderna or Pfizer, um, there's very solid data to show that they're really good in boosting whether you've had previous mRNA vaccines or you've had AstraZeneca and J&J. So I do believe that we have a lot of Moderna at the moment, about a million doses, and we need to make sure that we get those out before the, um, the expiry dates. And that's what the push on Moderna is, is that they are going to expire first about 35% of the doses that we gave out in the last week was Moderna. But they're just as good. Either one of those is exactly what you want. Okay, on the schools front, there's a lot of rumour and speculation circulating, particularly amongst parents and some teachers, about whether schools will close early for Christmas and whether they should close early for Christmas. What's your own view today? Yeah, so just going back to kind of the earlier kind of concern, Claire, about where we're going to be in terms of case numbers and what that might mean for restrictions in the next two to three weeks. The last thing we want to be doing is to worry about opening schools. And I think, you know, in my my opinion, you know, being sensible, the kids are in for two and a half days next week. If the schools close this Friday we have a really long circuit breaker for those children. Remember, if Omicron is two to three times more transmissible, we know that it's 10, 10 or 11% of cases at the moment. That's going to increase next week. That could be up to 50 to 60% next week. And we have the biggest cohort of unvaccinated people, i.e. children. We will have the mixing uh, in t- to a huge extent coming up to Christmas before we do intergenerational mixing. So I think in terms of just being sensible and preparing for the best possible scenario after Christmas and opening schools, I really think that we should consider, you know, closing schools on Friday, 
every child then will have at least seven or eight days of very minimal exposure to the virus and other children and mixing. And, and those symptoms will actually come to the fore before Christmas. You'll know if you take your child out of school on Friday, you'll know really before Christmas, seven or eight days later. Well, you mentioned there the virus. taking your child out of school on Friday. Is that what you're advising people to do? No, I would like to actually see a, a joined up decision where we talk about being sensible and making sure that we give ourselves a better chance of, of a safe opening of schools after Christmas, that we do everything we can to control case numbers now. And they are the highest number of unvaccinated people that we have at the moment. And we're talking about continuing to mix those to a very high level in the absence of the HEPA filters because they haven't arrived in schools yet. We're talking about doing that in the run-up to Christmas when we're concerned about a highly transmissible variant. And that doesn't make sense to me, Claire, in terms of doing everything we can to manage case numbers. Christine, just briefly, we're getting a lot of texts from people who had the Janssen vaccine and they know that the booster is required after three months, as it is with all of the different uh, vaccines now. But we know that immunity waned, particularly with the Janssen one earlier than with the mRNA. What do you say to those people who haven't been boosted yet? Are they at risk? Yeah, so I suppose, unfortunately, the data is showing that the level of protection that they have against infection is low. The level they have of protection they have against severe illness and hospitalisation is still very high, as it is with the rest of the vaccines. So because their, their, um, their protection against infection is low, I would, I would ask that they be prioritised in, in the booster rollout and that regardless of their age, that they get their booster as soon as possible because they, out of all of the people that have had vaccines, would have the lowest level um, of protection against symptomatic infection. All right, Christine, thank you very much indeed. That's Christine Lasher, Professor of Immunology. Louise Tobin is Principal of St. Joseph's Primary School in Tipperary Town. Good morning to you, Louise. Good morning, Claire. Do you agree with what Christine was saying there, that this might be the perfect opportunity to close on Friday, have a circuit breaker? This is the unvaccinated population we're talking about after all. What do you feel? I agree totally. Um, If we look at last December, Claire, schools closed on Tuesday the 22nd. And it was that previous weekend prior to the holidays when obviously a lot of people were mixing, socialising, visiting family and friends, Um, out and about, uh, visiting Santee, doing their shopping, and then we come back into school. Last year it was for a day and a half. And there followed huge levels of COVID cases among school staff and pupils. And, you know, Christmas was ruined for a lot of people. Um, I suppose the situation this year is that most adults are now vaccinated, but vaccines may be weaning, and uh, many do not have their boosters. So, and then we also have the more transmissible variants of COVID in our communities. And, you know, we've worked tirelessly to keep our schools open, but only is it safe to do so, if, if it's safe yeah. to do so. And I'm wondering, is it safe? And are parents saying to you that they're not going to send their children next week? Are you hearing that around the place? What we're hearing is um, uh, uncertainty. Parents are ringing and asking, will school be open next week? Um, attendance still remains quite low, you know, around 20% most days. Um, so, you know, I'm wondering, will parents, you know, choose to keep their children at home, think, think, thinking that's a safer option for them? Um, but, you know, we are required to stay open, Claire, like schools are open until Wednesday the 22nd. Um, that's, that, that's the guidance at the moment. Yeah, but you could have very few pupils in the classroom. I would say that parents will probably are on the side of caution. Um, you know, we all want to save Christmas for our families. Uh, we want to be able to visit elderly parents and grandparents. 
But, you know, coming back into school next week, there is a chance of transmission of variants and a possible increase of cases. So some parents, though, won't have the option of keeping their children at home for various reasons. And and the teachers, of course, will have to go in if the schools remain open. Are you calling now on on the department, on the government to just make the call? Well, I just hope that, you know, um, the HSC, the department, NEFIT, that they're just watching and monitoring, um, you know, and perhaps we can learn from last year's mistake and do what's best. Um, You know, and I suppose it's important to say, Claire, I've been talking about this for a number of weeks, um, based on, on, on our experience on those few days after that weekend last year, it really was very, very challenging over Christmas for a lot of schools and um, a lot of school staff and pupils were ill over Christmas. Um, so, and I know that people with childcare issues, um, you know, that, that the timing is a little bit short, but things yeah. are changing on a daily basis. And I think, you know, it's, it's critical that this is looked at um, and, and that, that, you know, that we, of course, we're going to follow the guidance, the public guidance to keep the schools open as required by the Department of Education. But I just think it's, it's worrying and it needs to be constantly monitored over the next few days. All right. Well, let's see what happens, Louise. Thanks very much uh, for joining us this morning. Louise Tobin in Tipperary Town. We're getting lots of messages on this. Paul says, as a parent of two children working hard, please, please consider all of us. We're trying so hard to get the kids minded, which is almost impossible now. Another one, schools should not close on Friday. Teens will be mixing in shopping centres and out and about if not in school. It's a ridiculous idea. Siobhan says if the schools close this Friday the government needs to announce that today so that people can arrange childcare or time off work and so on. The days should be made up otherwise it'll mean four and a half days of education lost. There is a risk of more days lost in the new year if there are more orange warnings too. 51551 for your messages. Pat Leahy, political editor with the Irish Times is with us now. Good morning Pat. Hi, Claire. I know you were writing about the schools at the weekend. Gosh, it's listening to that. It is definitely on the agenda for people, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's clearly on the agenda for some of your contributors. I don't get a sense from government that it is on the agenda there. Now, they will wait, uh, I guess, and see what NEFED recommends to them on Thursday or Friday. There isn't a sense within government, insofar as I can gauge it, that they expect such a recommendation from NEFED. And there would certainly be a high degree of political sensitivity, I think, to anything like that, particularly, you know, while if, if the proposal is to close the schools while, you know, pubs and restaurants and so forth are kept open. I I can see a high degree of sensitivity about that. But it will be guided, I guess, by public health advice. Yes. And And on that, can you just tell me what's going on behind the scenes? Because it just was noticeable when the Taoiseach was going into Cabinet this morning that he refused to speculate on possible restrictions. What are the conversations that are happening at the moment? I think there is an expectation that some extra restrictions may be on the cards. Now, you know, the government doesn't have, the government is in, a, I, I suppose, a senior people, officials and ministers within government are in a sort of constant communication with NEFED, but they don't have sight of a NEFED agenda for its uh, expected meeting on Thursday or anything like that. There is a general expectation, is all I can tell you, in, in and around government that some further tightening of the existing restrictions may be recommended. But there isn't a sense that you're heading at this stage towards the sort of close the schools, lockdown, that, um, that some of your, your contributors okay. were, uh, were suggesting. So, now, I caveat all that by saying this is obviously a very fast-moving 
situation. There is an expectation. I was asking some people yesterday about what sort of modeling or uh, analysis they had received from NEFED on the on the, the expected spread of Omicron. And they didn't really have anything uh, at that stage. But one person said to me, well, you know, the modeling is we're about two weeks behind the UK. That's what we've learned so far. So, yeah, I th- look, I, I think it's a pretty fluid uh, situation. When you say tightening of restrictions, what type of restrictions are you talking about? I think you could possibly see a restriction in the opening hours of hospitality. I think you will see appeals to people maybe to restrict their social gatherings over Christmas, not to be maybe, you know, not to be trite about it, but maybe don't do the 12 pubs Christmas, only do four of the pubs at Christmas <laughs> or, uh, uh, or, or something like that. But, but you said uh, earlier on, if, that, if the pubs remain open and the schools are closed, people will have major issues with that. I would have thought so. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be a very difficult political sell because one of the things that the government has said consistently is that, you know, they will do all in their power to keep the schools open. That closing the schools would be a last resort. And it's difficult to see how that could be squared with what was proposed by your previous contributors, which is uh, essentially a sort of precautionary closing of the schools so that, uh, you know, so that people can get on with, Uh, with Christmas. And there's also a fear, I think, that if the schools are closed early before Christmas, that uh, there would be great difficulty in getting them open again after Christmas. I just see a tweet here from our colleague in the newsroom, Lisa Pereira, saying hundreds of people queuing here at the National Show Centre in Swords and it hasn't even opened yet. That's the vaccination centre there. And we know the HSE is scrambling to redeploy staff to administer vaccines Christine Losher saying that we should be doing 400,000 a week. We seem to be a little bit behind the curve here in meeting the need. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair accusation that's going to be made uh, uh, towards government this week. We heard the Taoiseach talking about all hands on deck and this sort of thing and contacts going on with GPs and pharmacists to suddenly ramp up that vaccination programme. I suppose the question that might be asked is why didn't this take place last week or, or the week before even? Now, against that, I think, you know, government and health uh, and health service people might say, well, you know, maybe the demand wasn't there for booster shots, uh, you know, last week or the week before. And there was certainly a high degree of no-shows to what extent, you know, they were people who had actually been, you know, doubly booked or, or whatever, I suppose, mm-hmm. is another matter. But um, but there is certainly the desire, I think, there for, uh, for boosters now amongst people. And it'll be a matter for the government of scrambling over the next couple of days to try and create that extra capacity to get the shots into the arms. Okay. One, of, one of the things we know they're going to be talking about at Cabinet this morning is this €100 Euro electricity subsidy that everyone's going to get next year. What more do we know about that? Yeah, we, we know that it's going to be paid directly to the, uh, to the electricity providers themselves so it's not like you're going to get a hundred euro check in the uh, in the post to spend on your electricity bill I guess it would be deducted at source from your ESP bill there is the background of this is a high degree of concern in government about 
not just the rising costs of fuel, though that's obviously the sharp end of things, but the rising cost of living in general. And we've seen, you know, inflation figures going up and up over recent weeks. The danger for government of this, and it's costing over 200 million euros, but the danger for it is, you know, as we've seen in a whole range of, uh, of, 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 of other instances, when, you know, when a, a, a new payment by the government is instituted, it's very, very difficult then to take it away. Mm-hmm. Pat, thank you very much for your time this morning. Now we'll be going to the UK where there's lots of push and pull over restrictions today as they raise two to boost against Omicron.